0: Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at theorganicview, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today my guest is Dorian Yates and we're going to be talking about two of her green earth guides traveling naturally in Spain and traveling naturally in France. For those of you that are well-traveled, you fully understand how difficult it can be at times to get specific types of food especially if you have different sensitivities or if you truly are looking for foods grown organically and in some cases if you need gluten-free and especially vegan the guides that are on the internet are wonderful but what happens when you don't have cell phone access or internet access i mean that does happen from time to time happened to me And when you are traveling, there's so many different things that you could be missing out on that don't necessarily have to cost a lot of money, but you won't necessarily find out about unless you actually speak to somebody who has similar interests and really understands the needs that you may have. In the Green Earth Guides, you'll find all sorts of information ranging from restaurants to hotels, just different accommodations, and it's just a really wonderful collection of information you really need to know, especially if you're traveling in these two countries. So I would like to welcome to the show Dorian Yates. Good afternoon, Dorian, and welcome to the show. Thanks, June. Great to be on. Uh, Dorian, what made you decide to write The Green Earth Guides?
1: Well, honestly, I um, I travel a bit, and when I travel, these are the sorts of things I seek out. It's just because I'm interested in them, uh, in terms of food, it's the way I like to eat. And um, one day I was actually in traveling in Switzerland, and I was, um, was t- chatting with somebody that I met on a trail, and they were asking me if I happened to know of any health food stores, and I was able to rattle off a bunch in this nice small city of St. Gallen. And they said, that's great. You should write a guide. And the light bulb went off in my head. Wow, you know, I do, I do this uh, for fun when I travel. Mm. That's my idea of a of fun itinerary, is to scope out where the markets are, where the health food stores are, where other things of um, environmental consciousness are. And so I um, I started with France and uh, then did Spain, and I actually have also done Switzerland and, and now have gotten into apps, but it's um, it's just a passion of mine.
0: Well, it's a passion of yours that is so incredibly needed, and I do believe you have a number of uh, guides that you need to write, especially for <laughs> the United States. Uh, it, it's interesting. We're so dependent upon the Internet, and when you're traveling – you don't always have Internet connectivity. You don't always have cell phone connectivity. I know that I've had that that very experience when I went to China, when I went to Austria. Um, you know, I, I've traveled quite extensively, and you can't always depend upon the Internet to be there for you. And the thing is, is that, especially when you are traveling, your time is so incredibly valuable because you don't have – an abundance of time that you could just wander around and waste. I mean, unless that's something that you choose. I know when I am traveling, I try to make the most of my time and I also try to find the most unique things to do that will not only make my experience memorable, but enjoyable. Cause the last thing that you want to do is go to a restaurant that you've never heard of, especially in a foreign country where you don't speak the language And then, lo and behold, you wind up being sick for the next few days because you didn't know that the restaurant that you went to basically had a very poor reputation, and there's really no way of knowing that until, unfortunately, after it happened. So when you have guides such as the Green Earth Guide, uh, it's just wonderful to be able to learn firsthand, okay, here are the areas, this is what you can expect to find, and it's just such a perfect time for this.
1: Well, I must say that... um you know, certainly in the realm of anything, sort of a, an, a non-mainstream diet, whether you have a gluten problem or whether you're vegan or vegetarian, um, you know, you have trouble with certain kinds of dairy. You know, whatever it is, and more and more people are finding that they have uh, either either problems such as you know allergies or sensitivities, or just are making philosophical decisions based on health or belief systems about what they choose to eat. And it's, it's really hard to find that information, even if you do have information. I mean, even if you do have access to the Internet, that can be really hard. If you're in a foreign country and you're getting information, um, either it's the foreign websites that, you know, are not yet translated into English or you're getting english websites based on not somebody being on the ground but some sort of general whatever it is i don't even know how they do that you know kind of scrape the website for for places near you without any qualification but i know in spain for instance spaniards love to boast that they use every part of the pig which is actually very ecological and if you are a meat eater you know you can you can partake of that but if you're not um i mean i i have to say when i was traveling in spain i can't tell you how many times spaniards would say to me what do you mean you're a vegetarian <laughs> mm. <laughs> they they just didn't even comprehend it and then they might get it it's sort of like that joke oh you're vegetarian that's great here here's some here's some pig meat. you know they just don't even understand what that really means obviously some do but Um, it's just information that can be hard to track down, even if you were just sort of stopping somebody on the street and saying, where's a vegetarian restaurant?
0: What I found to be kind of an all-purpose reason for requesting a specific um, food requirement, if you will, as far as vegetarian and vegan is, I just say very nicely, I have very bad allergies, and that usually shuts Mm -hmm. them up. Mm-hmm. That's true. Unfortunately, it's just it hasn't quite evolved uh, around the globe at this point. But uh, the one thing that I think is very interesting is is that depending upon the region that you're in, each each region has its own specialty. And once again, some of these specialties, especially if you don't speak the language, it's very difficult to communicate the fact that. You don't want something that's been cooked in a beef broth, especially right. if you have a beef allergy or you're a vegan.
1: Right, exactly. You know, the other thing is I, obviously in France, people always, you know, rave about French food. But in Spain, it's very interesting. I've heard a number of people who visit Spain and say, wow, I just thought the, the food was horrible in Spain. And Spain has some of the most remarkable uh, food. And it's fresh and it's, and it's just magnificent, but you have to know where to find it. You know, you have to be able to, you know, either know where the restaurants are that serve that good food or know where the markets are to go get it. I mean, they have beautiful, cheap food in Spain. Um, so I I feel badly for people who have gone to Spain and have had terrible food experiences because there's just magnificent food there.
0: Um, I think it also helps to understand... The foods that are available, that you know, the foods that are part of the culture. For example, with tapas, uh, it's it is a part of their culture, and you can find some amazing uh, tapas bars that have vegetarian dishes. I, I mean, absolutely. Basically, you're talking about something that's added to a slice of bread and served right. with uh, liquor. And you know, the bottom line is is that it could be an olive tapenade. It could be uh, all sorts of different things, maybe even grilled vegetables. Grilled uh, vegetables, absolutely. Yep. One of the most popular one one of the most popular tapas uh, recipes is with uh, figs with cheese. And if you're mm-hmm. vegan, that's not something that you're gonna resonate towards. But if you're vegetarian, you know it's a great way to go.
1: Not exactly. every
0: Not everything has to have meat on it, and some of them, especially if you're ordering tapas, you can get uh, food that has that that you can actually see the meat and you can just physically remove it if you'd like to.
1: Exactly, exactly. The other thing is it's it's important to note that, you know, at least up until now, I don't know what will happen in the future, um, agriculture is pretty different in Europe than it is in the United States. There are a number of countries that don't allow uh, ge- genetically modified organisms. Yes. Um, there are countries like France and Switzerland and Germany that have very, very strong organic um, farming standards and lots of organic farms and vineyards. Um, they, uh, in terms of certainly the Mediterranean countries, cows are really not a big thing there. You know, they have a, there are a lot of sheep and goat cheeses available um, that are much more common than they are here, and. And so there's there's a whole different culture around food, what food means, what fresh food is, um, where you get it, how you get it, and how it's produced. That's not to say that there's not some awful stuff over there, but, um, but, but there is a different mindset around food and agriculture than there is in the United States.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. When it comes to more specialty foods, especially
1: gluten-free,
0: how popular is that? over in France and Spain? I mean, is it very difficult to get gluten-free foods?
1: Interestingly enough, and I was never able to get to the bottom of this, in Spain, there are gluten-free foods everywhere. I I can only imagine that um, somebody in the government or a member of the royal family has uh, gluten intolerance because Mm. gluten-free food is very available, even in the big supermarkets. um, And bear in mind that in Spain uh, you can there's not um i mean there's certainly pasta dishes, but they they gravitate a little bit more towards rice it just in general even if they're not specializing in gluten free and um and potatoes and vegetables and so it's very easy um in Spain, you know paella is huge and that's a rice based dish, so it's very easy in Spain to find intentionally gluten-free products as well as unintentional, but just sort of because of the nature of of the dishes they like, gluten-free foods. France? France is a little different. Home of the best baguettes in the world. Um, You know, amazing French bakeries. And while there is gluten-free, it is not prevalent the way it is in Spain. I would say uh, intentional gluten-free, is is definitely um relegated to you know the health food stores um and in terms of dining out though again you have many options you know it's not just like everything's thrown on a plate of pasta or anything mm. like that it's it has a much more sensitivity just to food preparation and variety in foods and and all of that i think too much more than in the united states at least in terms of mainstream eating so so where you you really run into hardship in france is just that both the culture and part of the experience there is you know every block there's some amazing bakery and they're not Nine. gluten-free bakeries they are <laughs> they are you know magnificent bakeries um spewing out divine gluten-rich Um, uh, breads and and pastries. That said, I do know people, this would not obviously apply to people with celiac disease, but people who have gluten um, intolerance or sensitivities, there are people who I speak with who can can manage um, some French wheat products. That's not to say that they could live on them 365 days of the year, but... um, so I chalk that up to the fact that, that they're using a different wheat, one that maybe has not been um, hybridized to be quite as rich in gluten as some of the, the wheat in the United States. Thank you. Uh,
0: on the topic of food, what if you're traveling with your animal companion, with your dog, possibly your cat, um, there's some people that take birds, but primarily with your dog, say if you're traveling with your dog What are accommodations like for dogs, even with food? I mean, is it difficult to find good food for your dog? Um, And I'm kind of, I would never give my dog canned food to begin with, but, I mean, have you been able to explore any options as far as pets?
1: Yeah, that's a little, that's definitely a little tougher. You know, again, some of the health food stores will carry, you know, sort of higher quality specialty um, animal food products. Um, But you don't really see I mean, in this country There's a burgeoning market of You know, specialty, high-quality pet foods And uh, I have not seen that in Europe yet That's not to say it's not coming But I have not seen that So somebody would really have to do A little advanced homework I mean, obviously you don't want to have to Carry a whole suitcase with dog food with you um, if you can avoid that, um, and again, which country you go to, I would say in Spain you'd be much—that uh, would be much more difficult to find than in France. In France, you would have better luck at um, France. Uh, something that's that's interestingly very different between the two countries, even though they're neighbors, is France has. You know, many, many supermarket chains, but three particularly large ones that are, um, I mean, not, they're not conventional supermarket chains, they're health food store chains. Hmm. And in Spain, there is no countrywide uh, health food store chain. There are regional health food store chains, but there's nothing countrywide. But in France, they have three countrywide health food store chains, which just by the nature that they are dealing with larger markets, um, you know, from a, from their economic standpoint, can manage to have a greater variety of those kinds of specialty products. So France, you'd be a little better off in Spain. Thank you.
0: Now, let's just talk about the shopping experience to begin with. Uh, in France and Spain do they have the big supermarkets that we do where you have a one-stop shopping experience or do they still have the apothecaries and all the little shops where if you want medication, you have to go to uh, an actual pharmacy as opposed to uh, the way that our pharmacies here are mini versions of supermarkets?
1: Right, right. They um, They both have large mainstream supermarkets um and those those do not have pharmacies in them um that's not to say that they won't have you know little sections as um some of ours do where you can get you know toothpaste or shampoo or something um but they very much have uh pharmacies or um, Apotex or whatever, you know, the mm-hmm. equivalent of drugstores or apothecaries um, throughout, and in fact sort of amazingly all over the place. I mean, in all those Fran- France, Spain, Switzerland, Italy, you know, you're sort of, seems like every block. I don't know how they all stay in business. Um, and interestingly enough, those uh, small stores sell not just Conventional mainstream products, but they often have right next to them on the shelves herbal products, homeopo- homeopathic products, um, all all together in the same store. You don't you don't have to seek out a specialty store. There are some specialty stores like special herb shops, really herbal apothecaries, but you can get a number of um, products, holistic health. Alternative health products in the stores that sell um, conventional medicine products.
0: Thank you. And my next question is: When you are in these stores, uh, especially with the the herb stalls, where you have the whole selection of herbs, and you know you're not necessarily looking to cook up a feast, but perhaps you want to just add something in particular to something that you're just quickly trying to make yourself um, if you have the amenities to do so at the facility that you're staying at. Um, how, do, how does that work exactly? I mean, uh, do when you're shopping, what do you advise people to do when they are shopping, especially for fresh foods?
1: Well, my personal preference is to, if your if your schedule allows and you're you're wherever you're traveling, you're there on the right day, is to go to a fresh market. Um, I feel that way in this country as well, but the, you know what we would call a farmer's market, and over there it's just it's called the market and mm. you know these these countries these people have been going to the market this isn't a trend <laughs> you know it's not a oh you know now we're going to be all in favor of green markets and farmers markets this is the way these people have shopped for their food for centuries and the selection at these markets is is just phenomenal not just in terms of fresh produce um but in terms of olives herbs cheeses you know, honey, and not that these markets, you know, not that everything at them is organic. There are some actually markets that specify organic. Um, most are mixed, so they have both conventionally grown or produced products as well as organic stalls. Um, but but that would always be my first choice and first recommendation, and I'll tell you why. Um, mostly because you get to see this culture of how people shop and the um, the food that is available on any given you know season it's there, it's fresh and and you can buy just a little bit you don't have to buy a whole bag of something you can say I just want one pepper or I just want a couple of sprigs of rosemary or I want a huge bundle of basil because I want to stick my nose in it um, or a beautiful sack of the most perfect peaches. You know, whatever it is, um, you can. You're speaking to the vendors. You can smell the cheeses. You can often they will give you taste. So mm. if you're uncertain, you know, you can go. Oh, what's that one? They'll give you a little taste. I mean, people, the locals take this very seriously. I I remember being at a stall and this woman. Oh my gosh. She was a local Spaniard, and by gosh, she was going to make sure she got exactly what she wanted. She, you know, (laughs) (laughs) she she didn't care that there was a line behind there. Sounds like me. (laughs) There you go, perfect. So, um, so the markets are always the best. And then if 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 it's a situation where you just don't happen, you know, you're someplace for three days and you've missed the market, you know, it, it happens the day before you arrived or the day after. Then the next thing I would recommend is um, obviously using the information in my books or or other information you have to seek out um, the health food stores, which usually have a a lovely array of organic, you know, they're going to specialize in the organic produce um, as well as other foods. And, um, again, in, in both France and Spain, but really all the countries in Europe, you just have some beautiful, beautiful foods.
0: Are there any things that we do here in America that you would not recommend that we do when visiting either Spain or France? For example, I remember when I went to Paris, I had the audacity to put butter on my bread at dinner. And the (laughs) waiter scolded me as though I committed some sort of... uh, criminal offense and you know I, I had no idea what was what he was so upset about and uh he you know he made it clear that you just don't do that. And I also learned that you do not ever order Beaujolais Nouveau uh for dinner. What was I thinking? And uh you know, just certain things. I mean I um I, I think I alienated most of Paris. But um <laughs> I just I'm just curious, are there any things that you've learned that for the Americans that are visiting over there that we should just definitely not do.
1: Well, um you know, there are there are some things, you know, some basic travel rules. And again, I would say this that is just wouldn't apply just to France and Spain, but you know, I find it to be most helpful when you're going to a foreign country to to really take to heart that old adage, when in Rome, you know, and, and try to be sensitive, observe, you know, really be in the moment. Traveling is the greatest time to be very present. It's so easy to not be present in our daily lives, just to be really present. You can sit down in a restaurant and just sort of observe what's going on around you. What are people doing, you know, or how are people shopping? You know, people... For the most part, in both France and Spain, but I, this is pretty true across across uh, Europe and certainly the Mediterranean countries, people do not have large refrigerators. People do not do what they do here. They do not mm-hmm. do a weekly shop and sort of fill up the back of your car with, um, you know, 10, you know, overflowing bags of groceries. They go out every day, and some of that has to do with the market mentality, that is the fresh market mentality. But it's a very, very fundamental cultural difference in that in the United States, our food system is geared towards shelf life, and in Europe, it's not. That's not to say that there aren't large supermarkets, but the the basic cultural uh, attitude around food is fresh. And so people go out with their market baskets, and they're getting fresh baguettes every day. People do not you know, store their baguettes for a week. They they get them fresh every day. Um, so, you know, what you said about butter, again, remembering that in those countries, cows are not like they are here. They don't have, you know, thousands of acres of land that they can raise cows on, or cattle on, for that matter.
0: They'd rather raise grapes, make wine. They, they would
1: <laughs> much rather raise grapes. And um and so dairy you know, cow dairy products that were used to, you know, sort of guzzling milk or smearing butter on everything, that is really not done. And certainly in Spain, you know now you tell Spain, me. Yeah, <laughs> Spain um you know, produces about half the world's um olive oil. And that's what they use. They use olive oil on food. They use olive oil on your bread. You know, it's a big deal. There's something like 260 varieties of olives. Who knew, right? Because <clears> we think, oh, what's olive oil? You go to the store and there's olive oil. Well, um, it's a
0: staple. That's why. I mean, and right. in Spanish cuisine, I mean, the olive oil from Spain is phenomenal. Phenomenal.
1: And, um, phenomenal. Yeah phenomenal the best i've ever had and what people don't realize is you know you can do tastings which i love to do because you can you know get five bottles of olive oil uh, from spain or for that matter from anywhere and they're all going to taste a little different they're all going to have a different quality and it will depend on what kind of olives were used but also you know where they were grown and and when they were harvested and when they were processed and and all these things that we don't even think about here so You know, definitely, you know, not asking for uh, butter, not asking for things that are not sort of native, you know. I wouldn't ask for a large glass of milk and a pile of butter in a French restaurant.
0: When I went to Germany, it was interesting. I had the audacity to ask for additional napkins, I think it was, and my sister in law practically handed my head to me. She said, You don't do that and I said, Why not? I'm a good tipper and she said, You just don't do that. It's not part of the culture and I I just couldn't understand what the big deal was. But, you know, after you spend some time in a foreign country and you understand the customs and, and you know, just how people interact with one another, then it begins to make sense. But right. um you know, it, it's always interesting when you travel to a foreign country and you just spend some time observing, and you could see the different mannerisms and just exactly. the different exchanges. And you know, it's really a wonderful experience. Doesn't matter where the country is located, uh, how populated the area is, but just to observe other people living their lives and doing the things that they do on a regular basis. And I think, you know, the more that people interact with the, one another, they can appreciate how the differences in our cultures are basically what attract us to one another. And if we learned to be open, we can really just have more of a peaceful existence.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, and that the observing is so important. You know, they also, another very big difference is they don't waste there the same way. Mm. So, you know, portions are a little different in terms of, you know, meals if you're eating out. Um, The thing, your story about the napkins makes me think of that, you know. Especially in Germany and Switzerland, people are—they're precise culturally. And I, I'm not making a uh, like offensive observation. As a, I, I admire uh, admire it tremendously. And obviously, some people aren't precise there. But as a rule, culturally, they're precise. They're not going to need a pile of napkins <laughs> because yeah. they're—they wouldn't—they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to have to do that laundry. They don't. If it's paper, they don't want to waste the paper. They're just. Not programmed that way. That we really that we really are. And the other thing I just want to point out is you mentioned that about well, I'm a big tipper. So what's the problem? <laughs> Even that is a completely different thing because there you, you nobody tips twenty percent. That's not what they do. You you tip a little because actually the waiters are paid money. They're not paid whatever they pay here. I don't know what they pay them two dollars an hour or something because they're supposed to make their money on tips. So even that is different um where yeah, they value labor. Yeah, they value labor. Exactly. Exactly. And
0: it it says a lot about how we have been doing things for so many decades and how we really need to strive to change so that we can not only uh, just exist in in a way that's beneficial to other human beings but to uh all the other beings that we share this planet with. Exactly. On that note, I need to ask you, this is a very big issue for me when I travel. It doesn't matter where I go, but smoking is a big problem for me. When I went to China, I was the guest of their government and I told my host that I have severe allergies to smoking. I mean, I, the government uh, officials that I met with, they could not smoke in front of me because they were warned ahead of time about my sensitivities. But, you now, when you're in Paris, when you're in Spain, it's it's something that you really need to think about, especially when it comes to your lodging. Because there's some places that do permit smoking, and even if you get a room that's not smoking uh it has to be from me a room has to be non smoking all the time, not just oh well, you know uh this is a right. non smoking r- room that we've converted because I can smell that a mile away,
1: right. and
0: it uh, my allergies it's just i'm too sensitive, so right. how do you deal with the smoking subject?
1: Well, the smoking subject is. Definitely challenging. In um, in both France and Spain in the past couple of years, laws have been passed, and this has to do with restaurants in terms of um, what is basically not allowed. Um, th- what happens in, um, in both countries is that you can have situations where smoking may not be allowed inside the restaurant, but it's allowed outside, which means if you want to sit outside, you can't. Um, Although those laws have been getting stricter, now, I must tell you that a few years ago I had been traveling in both France and Spain, and I had been in france, and it was pretty much right after this law had been passed and, and th- believe it or not the french were 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 adhering to it they were they were that's not to say people don't smoke on the streets or whatever, but they were they were abiding by the law and I come to Spain and i'm out at a very local Spanish equivalent of a diner, and um it's late. I'm with friends, Not l- late for us, not late for them. It was 11 o'clock at night. That's when a lot of Spaniards eat. And we go into this place, and it is smoky. It is smoky, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm trying to be polite here. I've just gotten here, and we're chatting, and I say to my guests and hosts, you know, this is very interesting. I just came from France and they have this law that you're not allowed to smoke in the restaurants and they're very compliant.